My name is Jai Long, and you're listening to Make Your Break. This is episode number three. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Dan O'Day. If you don't know who Dan is, he is a wedding photographer based in Australia, but he works all over the world. He has had many awards and achievements, and I would say Dan is probably one of the hardest working creatives out there. He teaches wedding photographers both at big conferences and at his own workshops as well. I've had the privilege to get to know him over the years, and I always find myself in good conversation with Dan. He really is a people's person, and he has one of those personalities where he inspires the people around him without even trying. Today, I'm going to chat to him about money. I got inspired to talk to Dan about this subject after having a conversation with him a couple of years back at a workshop in Western Australia. The thing that really stood out to me was that he was just in the process of figuring out his long-term goals and he was putting things into action and making them happen. So let's not waste any time and let's jump straight in and say hi. Hey Dan, we've got Dan with us today, Dan O'Day, and we're going to be talking about money and we're going to be talking about how he made his break as well. So hi Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks Jai. How are you yourself? Yeah, it's good. It's good to have you as my first interviewee on the show. It is an honor, my friend. I'm stoked to be here. I'm glad you're doing this. I actually just wanted to jump straight in. And before we get into the subject of money, I actually wanted to tell you a little bit about when I first started wedding photography, I heard about you and I heard along the grapevine that you started your business because I always heard that you were a hustler. So I heard that you started your business by getting an ad in the paper and then using that deposit to buy some equipment so you could shoot the wedding, so you could essentially put more ads in the paper and it all sort of started from there. So can you tell me about a little bit about how you made your break at the start? Yeah, man, I guess that's pretty close to the truth. Like I think, um, so I was doing a nine to five at the time and I, um, I started, you know, enjoying photography on the side. So uh, this is like 2008, I think. And then, yeah, I ended up, you know, to the classic, that old chestnut where I shot a friend's wedding. And then um, afterwards, I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. Someone at the wedding said, hey, you know, this is, you can make some coin out of this if you really want to. And I was looking for like an escape from the government at that time. You know, I've been there for like nine years. Anyway, so I started a little side hustle, which is my wedding photography business. And so the bridesmaid got me to shoot her wedding. And then when I shot that, she gave me 500. And then I took that 500 and I put it in a local paper, but I didn't add, you know, because I was always like, I always think that you should just, if you're going to do an ad, do full page. Like, don't bother with like a quarter. Like, just go, you know, just go for broke. So at the time, it was just like a local paper, so I could afford to do it. So I did a full pagey. And then, um, but I had, <laughs> I had like no gear. Like, I had like one camera that I didn't really know how to use at the time. Uh, anyway, so I just started doing that, shot the friend's wedding. Uh, and then I printed off like a whole bunch of five by sevens. And I got a bunch of like inquiries from that ad went to people's houses and kind of like a dealer, I kind of like walked in and I started like throwing my five by sevens in different order on their coffee tables to make it look like I would, I had shot more than one wedding. And I was like, what, check this out. Look at this. What about this? What about this black and white? What about this vignette? Anyway. And then, um, after that I got booked for a few more and then I started taking those and I made flyers and I started going to the supermarkets <laughs> in my local <laughs> area and literally putting those things under people's windscreen wipers and it was totally working. Like people were checking out my website and inquiring. And then I started booking weddings and then I got enough gear for the next wedding. So yeah, I was ready to roll. So you're just basically, you had a vision 
and you're just hustling from the start. Did you think about anything else of like, you know, other wedding photographers or anything else? Or was it just in your world? Was it just like, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, no, because at the time, like I was almost ashamed to be a wedding photographer, right? Like, so I, well, I didn't want to be admitting that I was shooting weddings because, you know, I'd, that sort of was the stigma. I was shooting some other stuff. I was shooting, I was exhibiting with my, with my art photography in a gallery, in a couple of galleries. I had a representation in Melbourne. And their big thing was like, you know, if you do other stuff, you can't like let it really be known. So they kind of planted that in my brain. So it was kind of a sneaky side hustle. But then as I realized, I started shooting them. I really enjoyed it. And I actually realized I could make some, some coin out of it if I just kept going. So at that time, all I really cared about was just the more bookings that I got, the more confidence it gave me that I might have another option aside from sitting behind my desk at this job I didn't like very much. And so that was the drive to sort of go, shit, you know, maybe I can do something with this. Just keep hustling until I can do it, you know. I don't know. And then, yeah, how I came to that and how I left to do it full time, like two years later, it's a different story, I guess. But I think what's interesting too, and this is the same when I started, when I started like Instagram kind of just started, it wasn't really a thing, but I didn't really know or see any wedding photographers anywhere in the world. So when I actually shot my first wedding, like this is going to sound a little bit, I guess, egotistical, but I literally was like, oh my God, I'm going to be the best wedding photographer in the world because there just isn't any other <laughs> wedding photographers. And I guess it'd be so much harder now because everyone follows wedding photographers and they look up to wedding photographers, but I'm guessing you sort of started the same as me, just... Yeah, totally. Ignorance was perfect. Totally. Happy-go-lucky, you know. I, I, you know, I, I think, oh yeah, that was the other part of your first question. So I didn't know about any other wedding photographers at all. Like I had no idea about my local community. I hadn't seen anything. The places that I was advertising in wasn't actually wedding magazines. It was in the local paper. Like it was in places that wedding stuff, which maybe worked for me as well because, you know, uh, often I find, um, you know, if your stuff's in the same place as everyone else's, it kind of gets watered down a little bit. So um, I've always been a big advocate of like advertising in places that aren't actually wedding related. But yeah, so, but yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I didn't really know anyone in that community uh, in wedding photography at all. It, it wasn't until I'd probably shot maybe like 10 or 15 weddings when I realized that there's a whole, there was a whole actual, you know, like next level of wedding photography. I thought the same thing because what I was doing was I was getting all this confidence from these clients that I was booking because I was applying my art photography practice to weddings and it was more like, oh, I don't have to pay models. Like these people are paying me instead. So in a way, again, I knew I had to get like, you know, family photos and the kiss and all that sort of stuff. But, but from the very beginning, for some reason, from the very first wedding, I always made sure that I employed a second shooter. So even though I was out of pocket for ages, I just always made sure that I had a second in case I screwed up and I made sure that the second was way more experienced than me. So I could sort of like play around. And so I did. And then all I did was just show my played around shots and that kind of started to like bait in the people I really wanted to hang out with. And then I just sort of worked out technically what to do as time went on and then I met yeah then I realized it's a full community like before I knew it was like three years later and I was met, meeting all sorts of people in the industry and then yeah but man I tell you what it would have been really hard like, I think even now especially um you know com comparison is really hard with people and I think that it would be very hard to ignore it now it wasn't as obviously present as it is at this moment totally I think also another thing this is kind of strange to say um, but I get really overwhelmed when I go onto Instagram and look at things or if I want to start a podcast, I start comparing myself. So I actually purposely put myself in a bubble and then I will just block out everything else that everybody else is doing. So then that way in my mind, I'm like, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to be the best I can be. 
So I kind of have the same strategy now. I have to because if I don't, I, I just get stressed out. I just won't do it, you know? Yeah, it's so hard, man. Like it's such a hard thing to do. Like it takes so much, oh, it takes so much uh, willpower to block out the world, like to create a bubble. You know, like there's been, I've had some times like in the last couple of years where I've done that, where I've just stopped Insty for a bit, you know, because I'm like, oh, what if it's, because there was times there where I would start, I'd start second guessing myself, you know, and then, then I realized, wait a second, um, you know, Andrea said to me one day, I was having one of my classic meltdowns, like it was more like it work is my, my thing for me, right? And I've been lucky enough. This isn't like a thing. It's just, I've been fortunate enough to be, I've been busy with work from since I started, thankfully, you know, but my thing has also been like, is that my child screaming in the background? Can you hear that? No. Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of crying. Sorry. Uh, but, but my thing has always been... It's up. all real. Yeah. No, I, I, it is real. Yeah, it's very real, it's very real at the moment, man. Um, yeah. I think my biggest thing is just I've always just been really hard, like, you know, self-critical of my work, you know. Um, but, you know, if I ever have a, like a, a meltdown, Andy just sort of said to me one time, she goes, yeah, you know, you just got to kind of just remember like the, the, the time that you get the best feedback about your work when you share or you speak about or whatever you do, it's often when it's something that I really have no questions about. Like I just don't doubt this is what I like, you know, and I don't have to pause, you know, and I just go with my gut. Yeah, And, totally. and it always it always pays dividends, you know, like um, whether it's a high popular image or not, it's the, it attracts the right, the right people engage with it, you know. Yeah, so 100%. I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you, what is your relationship with money? Did you grow up with money? And is it something that you've had lots of or is it something that you've kind of, I don't know. Do you know your own relationship with money? I thought about it a bit, yeah. I mean, I the one thing I've noticed though is over, as I've learned time, especially having friends in this industry that, that are really money conscious and do really well financially, um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. We didn't grow up with money very much. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want to be one of those, like, I grew up in the Compton and, like, had to hustle, you know. But uh, we definitely, you know, we, we were one of, you know, four kids and there was, um, you know, only ever really one of my parents working at any time. And so, yeah, you know, like, fish and chips was our special night out. But, you know, we always had roof over our head. We always were looked after. So there's no complaints. Like, we're still really lucky. But uh Money was definitely like would have been a luxury, like if we if we were able to do something that was outside of sort of you know day to day getting by. So no, and you know, and though I mean, again, my parents were really working class and 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 just good work ethic, and taught us really great ethics as far as like um, how to treat people and how to work hard and not expect anything. And I don't know, yeah, that's that's the main thing that sort of stuck with me. Um, but we never really um, had good financial advice or anything to do. And I, I didn't finish school either. So I never really pursued that. I learned most of that later on in my life. But money just never felt like a real thing. You never really learned money from your parents or from school? No. No, not at all. Yeah. No, I just... I just that makes sense. Yeah, no, not at all. It wasn't until later on, like, that I started to... Ma- uh, I didn't even realise that I was earning it, <laughs> like, till my accountant told me that I was earning good money. <laughs> like, I just... Yeah, because for me... Oh, I know. I had this de- constant desperation. Like since I went full time, right? I was I was just so desperate to 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 not fail at it, because I knew how proud my parents were that I had actually gone and and um, was able to make some money out of my it. art. Yeah, yeah. And they and they were like, awesome. My biggest drive was not to not to not to screw it up, you know. And so I just kept going really hard. And again, I didn't even know it wasn't it wasn't necessarily. I mean, I was like earning apparently 
like good money, but still living like I wasn't earning good money. So <laughs> I don't. Of course, yeah. I mean that happens. Hey, yeah. you kind of grow into it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, I know you've been doing wedding photography for a long time now, but I remember having a conversation with you about you taking control of your finances. And I just want to know, once you did take control of your finances and you went and seen a financial planner and you made some goals, like was that game changer for you and how much you worked and how hard you hustled? Dude, that was such a game changer. Like, so God, I can't even, I can't even begin to explain how much of a game changer that was. I was kicking myself. I didn't do it like five years earlier. Like we did it. Even you saying that, like, I'm just like (laughs) getting a massive breath of anxiety comes rolling out. Like I just, because the thing is, right, like I, I was just earning all I knew, right, for the first, we only started seeing a financial planner about four years ago, three years ago, and three three or four years ago. And um, up until then, all I was doing was just like booking, 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 and then just knowing that I had to keep booking because, you know, I work for myself. I kept thinking, what if I'm in business this year? I might be washed up next year, like... What I just got to take everything, you know, and do everything. And then I just kept upping my prices and stuff and, you know, da 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 da, da And it was all good. Um, and people kept booking, which is great. But there was no end goal. Like there was no, like I, I was just, so when there's no end goal, this is constant anxiety. Like I book enough for one season and think, yeah, I'm good. I should be good because that's a good number. But I didn't know what that number meant, right? Like I didn't know like 35 weddings or 40 weddings. I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it seemed like a lot. Yep. And then... Then I'm like, but now I need to get the next, I can't relax until I get the next financial year booked. So this is constant like anxiety of like, you know, what, what am I shooting for? Anyway, so we went and spoke to the financial planner and he actually broke it down. He said, look, don't think about it. Like we did it. So we bought our first house, right? So our mortgage broker put yeah, us on. I, rem- I remember that was, that was your goal when I talked to you. Yeah, that's it. You want to buy a house. Yeah. 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 And so the mortgage broker recommended we speak to this financial planner. He can help us get us on track. And that's how it sort of started. And then I realized, like, he, he solved so many more problems than, like, he realized. Like, I walked out of there like, have you seen Garden State? It's, like, that's in seeing <laughs> yeah. Garden State when he realizes he gets off the medication after 35 years. I started crying. Anyway, so, yeah, we, we just, <laughs> I just walked out. I'm like, what is life? This is a whole new meaning. So, he just basically told me. He was like, dude, don't think about it like this is how many weddings you need to shoot. That's the wrong way to think about it. He goes, what is the exact dollar you need? Like, just what's the dollar? What's the number? And then we, he just broke it down with us. He just, we worked out what our life is, what we want to save, what we want to put our little boy through, like what we want to do this, what we want to do that, how much per year we are paying. And like he really broke, but that's his job. Like left it up to us. We couldn't do it, but he helped us do it. Yep. And, um, and we understood exactly what our life cost. Then we understood exactly what profits I had on my, my, my costings for my weddings, which that was a massive relief. Like, you know, you always sort of have a guide, but you don't really add up all the little things per day, right? Like coffees and stuff, but he made us do everything, right? So then when we did that, he gave, me a, he gave us a dollar figure and said, right, so for you guys to meet all of your goals and have savings and pay this off and do that, you have to earn X, Y, Z, which was technically way less than what I was earning. And I was like, you tell me that I can earn this without shooting? Wait a second, just backtrack. And he goes, yeah, dude, you could do it technically. You could have all, every, if you shoot 28 weddings a year, you could have m- money in the bank, fully saved. You can have a good break. You can have a five-week holiday every year. You can do this, do this. And I said, he goes, and that's if you use 28 as an average, right? As your average cost. I just couldn't believe it, dude. I walked out of there and I was just like, oh my God, I've actually now got an exact dollar number to work to. And that got me creative and it got me thinking, well, then it doesn't have to all be weddings. I just know the dollar amount. So what else can I do? Like how else can I earn? 
um, if I want to absolutely save myself. It's a game changer. Ga- it? Yeah, dude. So it actually got me excited and realized what other opportunities I can do because I didn't think about it as weddings anymore. I just thought about it as a as as a dollar figure. And when I had that sort of um, mental freedom about it, I just took so much pressure off myself. Like, yeah, it just it just relieved like. It took the pressure off and understood if I want to have a weekend off in a month. So now we block out one weekend a month. Like the last weekend of book, we block out. So we use it as like to catch up on backlog or have some time together. But I know we can because we can afford to do it because this financial dude told us <laughs> what we're shooting for. And now we yeah. know. It's amazing when you take control. Um, like I know for me, I've kind of, even before I started my wedding photography business, which is actually a pretty funny story. I was working as an electrician. And I went to a financial advisor because I just didn't understand money. And I was paying so much money to, a fi- to financial advisors and accountants because I was so determined to learn yeah. what money was, basically. Yeah. And then I was reading every book. I did everything I could. And I remember I worked out a system. I was like, I want to buy two houses this year. That's my goal. And it was huge. And I went and talked to my financial advisor, see if I could do it. And he said, yeah, it's no problem. But I said, once I buy these houses, so I bought two houses and I got out a million dollar loan to do it. Yeah. I was like, once I buy these houses, can I quit my job? And he was like, well, I don't suggest doing that. But I was like, can we set it up? So then that way I'm not paying each month for the houses. So I can. And I think it was like maybe two weeks after I bought those houses, I literally quit my job to become a wedding photographer because I was like, I hit the goal. Yeah. I'm done. I don't need a job anymore. Yeah, dude, that's it, man. That's what I'm saying. You know, that's, 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 that's the end goal. That's it's the end like, goal. boom. <laughs> it's, the, it's the ignorance is bliss. The world is a playground, you know, and I, I think that. Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it is. It's terrifying uh, in a way, um, you know, <laughs> but I love that, man. I mean, I love that. I love that. I think, you know, I love that. Um, it's that sort of like childlike. I think, and again, for myself, and I think obviously for you, knowing we've had a few combos, <laughs> I've sort of related to that, your, your way of thinking a lot um, in that, like, why can't we just do this thing? Like, why? It's like, but why? You know, and then, yeah, and then exactly. there, is, there is a logical answer why you can't, but be like, but what if, what yeah. if we don't do that? Like, well, then what? <laughs> and, and everyone's like, well, that, that's stupid. <laughs> like, don't do that, you know? Um, and yeah, sure. You know, you another, fall, but <laughs> yeah, another really incredible thing was, um, empowering myself to know about money like I know it so inside out now that when I go to my accountant we will have a conversation and I know I can have a conversation and I can bring something to the table as well so he will tell me what we can do and then I'll say hey but what about this and then I'm kind of challenging what he thinks it has to be the way all the time so I actually say people say like oh you can't be creative if you're accountant but I think the opposite I'm like if you're an accountant you need to be really creative because there's so many ways to do one thing, so many ways. Oh, to, so, yeah. totally. And I think that comes down to, I mean, would you, oh, well, I'm not going to flip the interview, but I mean, like, you know, like you would, I mean, you could, well, you, maybe you can talk about it with some, someone else, but the, the importance of finding the right accountant and the right financial advisor that is actually willing to be open-minded to suggestions like that is also, it can be really difficult, but when you find the right, the right people, you know, may, you know, yeah. hold them tight. It makes it so easy. Yeah. And so another thing is like, I don't, um, hunt for the cheapest accountant. When I went to my accountant, I had told him straight out that I was like, I'm going to be trying to do this and this. And I know it can't happen on paper, but we're going to make it happen. What do you think? And then they're always like, oh, okay. No one's ever said that to us before. Yeah. I think that's the thing, man. Yeah. I think it's really great. And, and but what it's, you know, it's, it's a, I'm saying, yeah, our, you know, the people that we pay, it's not cheap. And there's, but there's cool ways, you know, to pay things too. I think our financial planner is paid through my super you know, so, and there's other, totally. other cool creative ways to actually pay these people. But yeah, by getting good ones, like I think our, our accountant costs us a bloody fortune. I think she earns it though. We keep, we keep her on her toes. 
you know, I think there is a lot of validity to asking questions that shouldn't be asked normally or you don't think. No, no I don't mean like, hey, you know, can we like cut corners? I mean, sure, ask it. But like what are some more creative ways yeah, yeah. to like challenge challenge the rules of their thinking as well because they yeah. they probably like just as creatives as well, we like a good curveball thrown at us sometimes. So I don't, I, from my experience, I think some, some decent people that are in, um, in uh, finance uh, you know, I mean, it's a creative gig as well. It really is. It's actually interesting that we pay money for everything. But when it comes to like finance, I guess there's been so many rip-off artists and things like that, or we hear of those things, but we kind of don't pay money for that. Like we're like, oh, no, no, no. Like I won't pay a professional because I get paid each week and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, what I've learned is, man, I've dished money to those guys because they're the guys keeping me money and making me money and the return's huge. Dude. So huge. Yeah. You know, here's the thing is, right, like I just feel like there's a lot of people, again, this is the ignorance thing for me, I think, too, because in the very beginning, again, I think that maybe also helps. I think if you've never been that attached to money, like, again, even to this day, I know what I need to earn and that's okay, but I'm still not very attached to money. Like I'm happily, I'm, I'm pretty... Like I'll throw it at stuff or I'm, I'm as generous, you know, I don't, it, because it doesn't feel, it just still doesn't feel like a real thing. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. It, it's just kind of like, it's just like a chess piece, you know? And, and so, um, but I feel like one thing is, I think, it, I, I'm, that's why when you asked me to speak about this topic, I can't, like, I'm so glad you did because I don't think it's definitely not spoken enough about, and I can't stress it either. Like I've spoken about it at some conferences and stuff, and I do feel like it's the part that people are generally a little bit interested in, but it's not necessarily the most exciting thing to some people but when you I think you can't I can't stress enough like how much money you you should feel comfortable in spending on everything that grows your business as far as like good marketing advertising like a lot of things people like oh where should I do this and how should I get more bookings uh do full page ads in like the virgin magazine you know to something like just and it might cost you eight grand but just pay it and watch because yeah I mean you think about what people pay and the chances some people take in their businesses. Uh, if we want to really have a sustainable gig, we've really got to fork out to keep going and getting creative way, getting creative as far as I think I saw you, you, you put up something once saying like you were just going back to the old school, rip and rip a tag off a thing in a cafe with a putting up a poster about wedding photography and just take a number off it. Oh yeah. I mean, anything like stuff like that, but you know, maybe make it out of velvet with some gold scissors attached or something. But just, you know, just don't be yeah, don't yeah. be scared to like spend the money and just do it because it really is that simple. I really do believe that. I believe that. Like right now I'm scaling three different companies and I'm this year we'll be scaling them up into the seven figure mark. Yeah. And what's interesting is if I spend ten grand on my business, I know I'm probably going to make maybe a hundred grand. But if I spend a hundred grand I know, like, with my figures, I'll be able to make a million dollars. Yeah. But so many people will be too scared of, like, oh, I'm not going to spend 10 grand on a website. I'm not going to spend 10 grand on education or a mentor or something. That's right. But the way I see it, it's all about the return. Like, if I'm spending 10 grand, I don't mind because it's going to 10 times. Yeah, I think the best way is to take the money, the thinking about the money out of it and understanding that, like, you're never, like, you're never going to die. Like, it's not going to be a thing where will end up on the streets you know it, it might be a situation where you need to adapt or might need to tweak something or change some plan but I just think if you spend the money like every time I've gone out and spent money on something I think if I was too attached to money yeah maybe I would second guess it like lots of people do but I think because I accidentally kind of create a sustainable business from 
my detachment to money because I was like, whatever, 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 th- throw this out, try this, have an ad with no photos in it and a bunch of text, da, 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 da. Just, just try all these things that don't make any real logical sense. I, I do think that they um, worked for me. And, but that was purely, again, just because I didn't really focus too much on the negative consequences. And that is, it is ignorance, but I think you can use, it can be used as a test case. I mean, it's worked, it's worked for me. It's worked for many people, I think. Yeah, I guess that's the difference between a business owner and an entrepreneur. Like an entrepreneur will do something and they don't really care if it loses because everything's a test, like everything. Yeah. So if that that didn't work, I'll move on. That didn't work, I'll move on. Yeah, like how that, and I think it's really important to say, I think as well in this situation that people might think, okay, well, that's all good, but what about, you know, I've got kids to feed or I've got this, I can't afford to take this gamble. Well, I, I and I I, do, I agree. I think you know, we need to be financially responsible. Like I think understanding what our you know understanding our costs, which again comes back to a financial planner, understanding what it costs is really important. But I think once you understand it really clearly, then you can sort of think, well, how you know how much of a gamble that I want to take. Maybe it's worth forking out a couple of hundred on a conversation with a mentor to discuss where you might want to look. You might say, look, I want to take five thousand bucks. It makes me very uncomfortable that amount of money but I want to spend it on something that's not to do with gear and not to do with a website. How do you reckon I should throw that if, if I really – I'm thinking about trying this. What do you reckon? Maybe try, you know, having a conversation with someone first and then just giving it a go and, and understanding that, like, okay, it is a gamble, but, you know, like there's people out there. I've got friends that open cafes that, like, you know, it costs them three, dollars $400,000 to open a cafe and they've still just got to hope they sell enough coffees before, like, you know, in a year or two. I mean, my wife and, you know, and her partner just started up a business as well and, Again, it, when you think about the scale that they're working at compared to the to what we're working with, um, it's relatively quite affordable to, to kick off a career in in, in weddings or shooting. Um, so I think almost putting ourselves in those position to take those chances is almost, especially in this environment today, I think it's it's really necessary. Hundred percent. Hey, I've got one more last question for you, which just sort of goes on to what you were just saying. Mm-hmm. I know your wife, Andy, has just launched a new business mm-hmm. and. I just want to know, like, if you've taken control of your finances now compared to like a couple of years ago, has it sort of opened doors for you to like start new projects and start new businesses and like work on other things as well, like comfortably without the anxiety? Yeah, totally. Um, that was probably one of the coolest things I think that came out of it was understanding like when we saw the amount of money, like the dollar amount. And the thing about having a financial planner too is he, he, he can report to us as regularly as we like. So we might meet with him every quarter and say, hey, this is where we're sitting. This is how we're tracking. I'm thinking about this other new, you know, hairball idea. What do you reckon? What are the consequences? What can we move around? In what way? And he goes, oh, maybe you compromise the distribution of savings for two months as you try this thing out or whatever. So anyway, just as a side note, having that financial plan, it's not, you can get them one off, but we have our guy that's, that's just reports to us regularly and he's really great. But anyway, yeah, so when I saw that dollar figure, I thought, well, great. I broke it down and I looked on a spreadsheet and I went, well, if this is the amount, let's just say my wedding's average out at X, Y, Z. Let's just say, what if it looked like, because what if I want a bit of a break, right? Because I do feel like a break. I'm a bit tired. What if I just did 20 a year? That, that, that means there's this amount of dollars left that I need to make up for. How could I potentially draw income in other areas of like my ability? Like what, what else can I use my, my skill set to do to generate income? And so I created like about four or five other things that were really realistic, I think. You know, there was like print sales, there was mentoring, there was my workshops, there was 
you know, I, I just started sort of painting again. Selling albums Sell, and things like yeah, that. Yeah, books, you know, whatever, upsell, <laughs> yeah. all that sort of stuff, like all the little things. Yep, yep. And I thought, what's the most conservative way of looking at all those, right? So, like, I did five or six things. And it just, I cut myself down to, like, I could do, like, if I wanted to in those areas, like 18 weddings and then comfortably, if I focused just enough on, like, you know, say 5K worth of print sales, 10K worth of this, that and the other, you know, 2,000 worth of whatever, and it was amazing how quickly I realized that, oh, my God, like, actually, it's not just all about this one way of income. I think these days, a lot of the time, I think it's okay for people to understand that we don't need to do weddings full time as such. Like, it doesn't have to be the yeah. one income. Ha- having all your eggs in one basket can be, you know, can be risky. So I think um, people have a lot of trouble sometimes thinking that if they're not doing it full time, then they're not successful. Um, I think it's actually okay to do it part time, even if it's like working in a cafe, doing something else. Um, Definitely. you know, until you feel comfy. So there's the, we did that. I, and then Andrea realized, yeah, well, you know, I might start up. Um, she had this idea for this great, um, this Mrs. Frey is the name of her, her, um, uh, her, love it. her company. Yeah. With, with Amy, with wedding, with bridal, with doing some really great gowns. But again, they found a hole, they found a hole in the market, like, um, in Canberra where there was no one really doing decent, decent bridal, you know? And, and so they got a big slab of expensive real estate right in the middle of town and five meter ceilings, concrete, marble, excellent designers from around the country. And it's just going off, you know, and it is a gamble, but we know that we could afford to take it. Hey, here's a little, little thing that I believe in. So when I start a new business, what I do is I usually have a little surplus of money from one of my other businesses mm-hmm. and then I'll loan it to another business or loan it to myself so I can like take a chance. Yep. So for instance, when I started my photo booth business, I loaned... Oh, I loaned that business 10 grand to start off with. But this is what I believe. And it's interesting hearing you say the same thing. You can invest money into so many different things. But I think in, if you believe in yourself, you can invest it into yourself. So for me, I could have invested 10 grand into the shares and hope someone else's business does well. Yep. But I was like, I believe in myself to be able to start my own business that I could get a better return. Mm-hmm. And I think like with starting something like that, you're literally putting all that money into a belief that like that business is going to do well. Like that's pretty empowering, I think. Oh, it's super empowering. And, but, and it's so empowering. And I think the hard thing is though, Jai, like I, I don't think it just comes, I just don't think it comes naturally. Like for, for, and, and again, this is for me, it's, 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 I think the hard thing that people struggle with. And I, I think like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's been a really great thing for me. It's really worked, but I could see how it could be. It's also be a burden for me at times too. Like, you know, <laughs> you know but but, you know, at the same time, like, you, I don't know, you take the chances, you get good results, you do take a gamble, can give you more anxiety, but um, it could also give you really amazing rewards. Um, but it's just, I know it just, it's really going, it's like turning left when you just naturally so badly want to turn right. <laughs> um, but yeah. I agree with everything you're saying. I, I think having that belief, for example, right now, right, if I had a, if I was to say tomorrow, there's this, this, this thing I want to start up on the side called Billy Vincent, which is... Um, which is, yeah, basically just this, this um, really fun sort of, um, uh, I guess you could say like an artist agency. Um, but anyway, it's like my baby project that I keep putting off. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I know that for me to do that right now, I would, for me to launch that, I would take some money from my wedding business and actually put that yeah. back into my wedding business. So I would, I think I just need more staff, right? So, so that I could actually yeah, free, yeah, totally. free myself up. Because again, I don't know if I could outsource that particular beginning part to someone, but 
I don't yeah. have the time myself at the moment to invest the time required for it. So what I can do is I could definitely hire the staff to go into my wedding business to do a lot of the back end stuff that would free me up. So in fact, actually, you know what? Maybe that's what I'll do today. Like as far as maybe that's here. Yeah, here, you should totally. We, here, we should have a conversation about it because I don't know if you know this. I have full-time staff and I, I did that so then I can shoot more weddings because I am a workhorse. I don't mind shooting two weddings or three weddings a weekend. Yeah. Like to me, it, it means nothing. It's the same as being a tradie. Yeah. But I also don't like to edit all week and sit in front of my computer. So I have yeah. full-time staff that does everything else. Yeah. But that's how, I, that's how it kind of works. I couldn't shoot two weddings a week and edit two weddings a week. Like I just couldn't do that. Yeah, that's my big thing at but the yeah. moment, man. That's, that's how I'm flipping, I think, for this next season. You know, this last season for me, I just barely, like it was great as far as I got the best run of clients. I had the most fantastic weddings. But at the yep. same time, you know, it's the year we had our, our firstborn and, 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 you know, and my weddings are all away. I have to travel for each wedding. So, you know, um, it really took its toll physically and mentally on me. So as a result, though, I think it's really good because it's in, now empowered me to go, right, it's time, for, it's time for some full-time staff so that I can just focus yeah, on, 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 on the stuff that I'm good at. You know, I'm not good at admin. I'm horrible at admin. But I'm, I'm, I'm good with people and I'm good with shooting and I need to just utilize that more. Yeah. So that's, that's what I sort of – when you understand what that is, yeah. outsourcing the rest of it, people, I think is, it's okay. It feels, it feels unnatural, but I feel like it's, it's, it's an important thing to try and do to free yourself up, to be, to go full potential, you know, go full hog. Definitely. Hey, I just wanted to say one last thing yeah. um, about a mindset thing. I think a lot of people, when they talk about starting new projects or businesses or say like my wedding photography business, a lot of people think it's, it's all in and that's the end. And they don't realize that life goes on and there's, there's so many things. So I actually heard someone say a little analogy and they said, if you had a dice and then you rolled it, and if you hit a six, you'll get $10,000. But it costs you $100 to every time that you roll the dice. Like, would you roll that dice? And most people would be like, oh, $100. I mean, I personally would because I know I could roll it so many times and, you know, the return is much bigger. Yeah. But we kind of see that with, with businesses as well. Like, we just think like, for me, I don't mind rolling my dice and paying the hundred dollars and maybe it doesn't work but i don't really care because i just keep doing it and i keep doing it and Mm -hmm. i don't know if you know this but in the last three years i think i've had three businesses flop yeah and it's it hasn't been like oh my god you know i'm bankrupt or it was you know it hit me up my ego because it's like no i was literally just rolling the dice and i was just having a bit of fun yeah and i was i guess kind of taking a chance on myself and and in an idea and I knew at the start that the risk was maybe the idea wouldn't work, but I wanted to know, I wanted to prove to myself, Mm -hmm. you know, like, will it work or will it not work? And then allow myself to do that. Yeah, man. I think that process of elimination, you know, like, I think you've got to be okay with that. And, and this depends on what you want out of it. You know, like, I think um, for me, uh, I know I'm speaking to a bunch of people who don't consider themselves to be creatives um, that start in, in, in wedding photography, you know, because I think the natural progress back in the day was like, I like photography. I like creating um, hey, oh, I'm starting to make some money now from doing these weddings. I think now because it's it's kind of like um, I think a lot of people there's so many uh, resources, so it, you can be like that looks like fun. I can do that. I'll give it a go, and it's great. And I think a lot of people some, some sometimes get through their first year, and they're sort of like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, it was kind of cool to be able to do something different, but I don't know. I just don't. I don't really feel like I'm a creative. I don't really feel like an artist. I don't really feel like 
going that little bit further in business or in creating images or whatever. And I think that's totally fine. At least they gave it a go and realized that maybe that's not their thing. But I think the thing is, it's like a lot of people, you know, when they retire, they sort of find, they get free and then they go and find a thing that they just love. There's this, forget the name of her, this is Sculptor. She's in Australia or in the US. Anyway, so she was working for like, she retired when she was like 57. But anyway, when she, from when she was 30, she was, she was sculpting and doing all these things. Anyway, so she didn't want to take a chance and go out and earn the money from the sculpting because, you know, she needed to bring in the money, which is totally, you know, understandable. However, when she, I'll do her name up. When she retired, she just decided, oh, I'll do my sculpture full, it was glass sculpture, do my sculpture full time. Like I can now. And in the first six years of her retirement, she was the most collectible glass sculptor in the world and she was she'd made in one year more than she had in her whole life working you know in her her nine to five job because that was when she felt okay to take that chance on herself was when she retired and again that's not for everyone you know these are all great big audacious you know sure 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 but it can start at a much micro level like what you were saying it could take just a five grand gamble in this direction and see what comes up of it and if it doesn't if it flops well it flops and you can rule it out and then but what do you learn from it like you, you'll always take like something away from it you know I, you know whenever 100%. whenever i've stuffed up it's the cheapest education you can have really oh dude absolutely you know like absolutely man i made so many mistakes you know but i think as a result i made so many because of my ignorance and going full board like yourself i just go 100 percent at whatever i'm thinking about but along the way i've had many car crashes but out of those they've helped me you know the, it's kind of like I know it just the scar. It's some sort of scar analogy, <laughs> you know, like the scars. Something about the scars or the skin or something. Anyway, it's it's helped me um, build a stronger platform for the next project. Awesome! It's been great talking to you. Hey, um, before we finish up, Dan, mm. where can we find you? And I also know that you run your own workshops as well. So where can people find those? Oh, thanks, brother. Um, so me, you can find me on Instagram at um, at Dan O'Day. Uh, what is my name? D-A-N-O-D-A-Y. And um, as far as my workshops, that's with Sam Blake. She's based over in New York. Um, and we it's called Art in the Heart, um, just artintheheart.com. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely, I've uh, actually talked alongside Dan at different workshops at different places. We did Photo Field Trip and Common Folk in a few places. But um, yeah, I highly recommend anyone getting onto your workshops. Like, I know that you guys are really inspiring and you've got so many things to teach. So, thank, yeah, thank, you, thank you. I appreciate that, Jai. I just wanted to finish with myself and Dan O'Day are not financial advisors and we're not giving you financial advice. We're just giving real world experience and our own experiences. But if you do want to find a financial advisor, I have put some tips into my show notes, which is at jilong.co forward slash three. And I've also put in some tips for where you can find Dan O'Day, his Instagram and his workshops as well. I hope you guys liked my first interview and I can't wait to talk soon. Make your break is brought to you and hosted by Jai Long in our Melbourne studios and produced by our American friends, Simpler Media Productions. For more information on this podcast, our workshops, or anything your heart desires, please visit jailong.co.